Hey everybody, welcome to Workforce Gaming. I'm Doug, along with Brad. Hello! And Brad. Brad, you've been actually very, very excited about this game. I have. Octopath Traveler. And now I think it's kind of funny because we always talk about like what what a sixty dollar game is to us sort of thing. And I remember like after the demo, like I think even the first demo, you basically pre order this thing like right away. Or I just remember, or maybe the second demo. But I remember you, you were very excited to pre order this game. So I was pretty much all in after the first demo. Yeah. Uh, when it was still Project Octopath Traveler, like whenever that was, like last November or something like that. Yeah. And then the three hour prologue demo, I played that and just absolutely loved it. So yeah, so that's where I kind of want to start with this. It's like why, why, why is this one? Why this one as opposed to like because you we haven't played Persona Five, we haven't touched Nino no Kuni Two, we haven't touched these like kind of other very big JRPGs. But like, what what kind of drew you into this one? I think this one in particular is a couple of things. First of all, just the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. I love this. Is not a Persona Five massive scale game this is a very simple old school style game where it's just you're going through your story you're doing your normal rpg thing i look at nino no kuni 2 i look at persona 5 and those are games that are still like way up on my list of games to play it is an rpg we're not trying to sell you this big social interaction we're not trying to sell you this kingdom builder thing we're not trying to sell you all these add-ons gotcha and a lot of time those add-ons just really get in the way of me really liking a game because I'm here for the RPG. I'm here for the, here's the story of this character going through this adventure and you're just going through that adventure. I don't need the extra stuff piled on top oh, of so it. Oh, so you don't, you don't have all these additional, you knew that you knew kind of like, oh, I'm not going to have all these additional systems. I'm going to have like my one or two systems I need to learn instead of all the additional ones. Because like the Persona stuff to me, like the building characters and stuff is really freaky to me. But in this one, because they just Agreed. burned all that away, that's what you like. Yeah. Yeah. And it just goes back to those final fantasy 7 it goes back to you know the old school super nintendo ones where it's just this is just an rpg this is our story here it is Mm -hmm. and i really like that and the combat as well sitting down and playing this and doing the combat for a couple hours in those demos the combat is such a good hook to this Mm -hmm. you're constantly thinking and it's always this feeling of how am i going to strategically do this which I don't feel like has done very well in a lot of RPGs, especially now because so many of them are trying to get into this. Well, how do we make this combat more active? How do we get it so you're doing more things? You're not just clicking through menus. This went with how are you clicking through menus, but how are clicking through menus super strategically? And how is it, how are we going to make you think through these menus? And we're going to give you enough systems to play with where you do have to think through every choice mm-hmm. rather than going, oh, well, this is just like the old ones, but now you have your you can control your character's movement. And this is just like old RPGs, but now you can just keep slashing all the time and you have an auto attack. So I liked I liked kind of that old school feel, but definitely adding layers onto it more in terms of what you're thinking about rather than what you're actively doing. Is this one of those games? Because I feel like I feel like if you think of, when I think old school JRPGs, one of the things I don't like is like is I think you sleepwalk through like 90% of the battles in a Final Fantasy game because you're like attack, yep. attack, magic. Okay, I get it, I get it. But in this one, like, even are even those minor battles? Are you sitting there thinking like you just can't you can't sleepwalk through any battle? The majority, yeah. I mean, once you get once you get really late game because each area is leveled, so there's a couple of points where you'll go back to a town that you started from. Yeah. And the game is really clear as soon as you enter an area, it says recommended level 20. So it'll say like Western City Gates recommended level 25. Mm-hmm. And if you are within, if, if you're still probably 33 and you're going in there, then yeah, you still have to think about it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's if nice. you're, if you're, you know, 50 and you're going into a 25, then no, you don't. But 
even walking through different places right around your level, plus or minus five, you always are doing some thinking just because there's vulnerabilities, there's weird things that can happen. You could probably sleepwalk through them if you wanted to, but with the vulnerability system and the way it works and how damage works in this, there's a lot of still, okay, I can sleepwalk through this and it's going to take me six minutes, or I can just do it right and it's going to take me two. Oh, that's cool. So you could be a sur- if you if you think about it, you can like surgically just like cut right through a battle. But if you, if you do exactly. it the lazy way, you're going to just take a long time. Exactly. If I just sit there mashing attack, I'll still win just because at this point my characters are overleveled. Yeah. But it's going to take me longer than if I go, okay, you're you're vulnerable to thunder. Do a thunder attack on all of them. Hit each one with a sword and be done. Oh, dang. That actually sounds... Dang it. Yeah, there's lots of thinking. And then again, um, using your BP, which is essentially like a charge up, yeah. also really affects battle and the way that you use that in terms of... Because each enemy is given a number for vulnerability. Yeah. So maybe Doug's vulnerability is a five, and you're vulnerable to these three things. Mm-hmm. So your BP, what you can do with it, you gain one point every turn. Yeah. What you can do with it is you can either use it to power up an attack if you're using magic, or each BP is worth one more attack mm-hmm. if you're using a physical attack. So if I see that Doug's BP is five and Doug is vulnerable to a sword, I could use all of my BP that maybe I've stored up just to knock your vulnerability off. And then I'm doing like essentially double damage to you more or less. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can save it all up. And then when I do, when I knock your vulnerability down, my attacks are like doing double damage plus double damage even more because you're invulnerable and you're stunned for that turn. So basically if you, if you don't use that system and you're trying and you're trying to like, no, 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 through it, then you're not going to be able to, then you're just going to chip away at them for a day. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Forever. It'll it'll take you a long time. And you could probably beat most of the stuff not using it, but um, it's just it's really cool the way all these things kind of tie together to make combat something that you really do have to think through, especially when you get to boss battles and how much of this am I using? And you got to kind of count turns and it shows you in the top like uh, Child of the Light is always the first one that comes to my mind. But mm-hmm. I know it's not the first one where it shows you turn order at the top. Oh, grandiose, I think. Yeah. Um, that's yep. That's the one that I can never remember. And even that, because when you're vulnerable, they'll lose their next turn. So there's sometimes where it's actually beneficial to you to just go like, OK, this is the last character this turn. I'm just going to use a healing item now so that when my next, when the next turn round starts, I can see that I can stun them this turn. They lose this turn and the next turn. Oh, wow. Dang. <laughs> had I just done it before, they would have just lost one turn. Now they're losing two turns. So there's this, there's so much to think about. Yeah. And the game helps kind of build you there too, where it's never like in the beginning, you don't really need to use all these systems, but yeah. by the last boss, last couple bosses, you're really kind of stuck where you're at. And the thing I like that you're kind of saying this is that you're not mentioning stats a lot. I'm sure that I'm sure that does come as like basically you need to be this level, but like I think it's kind of interesting. Like you're thinking about using the mechanics, not necessarily just like I feel like with Final Fantasy games, like I'm at this stat, it's like, oh, if I just raise my strength to ungodly levels, then I'm fine. Yeah, there is a little bit of that. I pretty much went the route of just every time I went into a town, hoping I had enough money to buy the next strongest weapon and just equip that to um, one of my main characters, the way I played this, and you can kind of interchange your party whenever you want, yeah. uh, except for the character you choose to begin with. Uh, I chose Hannah to begin with, who is the correct choice because she's awesome. <laughs> Highly recommend you pick her if you're going to play this game. I basically stuck with three mains and then interchanged out my fourth. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, I guess I should have prefaced with this, I have completed all eight stories. Yes. I did not complete the crazy last Maybe it's post game. Maybe it's part of the game dungeon thing that's out there. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess that's a good place to kind of. I probably should have started with that. But I think if you put like eighty hours in the game, you can talk about it. 
Yeah, I'm like 60, but but I know there there was some really weird like controversy with some reviewers and some people talking about this where it's like, oh well, you didn't do the post game or end game depending on definitions of stuff. Yeah, until we get on Metacritic, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't do scores, so that's not going to happen. But I know that that we'll get into that more when we get to the story stuff. But for combat wise, in terms of stats, a lot of it was just I'm going to go buy the new strongest bow, equip it to one of my main characters, and I kind of played through it that way. Gotcha. So. It never really became a... It was never something I had to worry about. Like, I had to go in and look at the numbers and go, like, oh, crap. And it does the nice thing where it's like, here's your current equipment. If you buy this, it goes up this many numbers. And you go, cool, that's more. And just oh, buy. I love that. When you see, like, it's, like, all green. Done. Done. No decision. <laughs> I yes, need to exactly. think about this. Green this, arrows. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's all green. We're good. I don't... I hate the ones where it's like, oh, crap, that's a 578. Let me close the shop menu. Open my equipment menu. Oh, I'm at a 576. Okay, not worth it. Yeah, oh. Then you scroll down. And like, oh, but... Uh, but now, oh, but the elemental was my. Element. I hate doing yeah. that. This is the nice one where it just puts it there. So, honestly, just the combat in this game is incredible, mm-hmm. and that was that was the hook for me. I was I was gonna say that's kind of funny that you're talking combat first because I think when you said the things that you were that you're interested in with traditional art JRPGs, you said story and combat, and then you're like start with combat first, which is kind of I just, this is interesting because I also know that you're a huge story guy and Donkey Rampa is the best thing ever. Not the best thing ever. It's up there. <laughs> So I guess I guess on that case, so I mean, if this does burn everything away and really the only things you're left with are the combat mechanics and the story. So how is the story? Because I've heard things. Yes, things. Things is the proper way. Um, The story is very hit or miss. So the basic idea of this. And again, this is where me having not done the post game dungeon. Yeah, I will say essentially the way my characters were leveled and having to do some side quests and stuff. was just one of those things that after about 60, 70 hours, I was like, I just don't want to get into that because <laughs> um, was, it was one of those things where it's like I, I glanced at like online for like some guides for like, what are the level requirements? Like, is this a post game thing? Like, do I have to like hit max level? Da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, you need to be here. And it's like, OK, that's like 10 hours of grinding and I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But anyway, so the way the game's set up and each character has their own individual stories. These char- these things have no overlap until you get to that post game thing. There is no connection between them. They have very, very minimal interaction with each other. Yeah. And it's just going through these eight stories. I think that's the, to the game's benefit and also hugely to its detriment. Okay. It's to its benefit because there are just some really good stories. And I think sometimes in RPGs, you get that thing where you start adding in other characters. And it's like, I don't want to know the side character's take on this story. I just want this one character to be able to go through their story. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I want to know the story of Primrose. I just want to know her story. I don't need... Um, Hannah coming in and giving her two cents on it and I don't need all this other stuff and oh well my friend over in this village and now we have to go talk to you it's just that story and that story connects really well Mm -hmm. however again you do really get to the point especially with some of the stories that aren't as strong where you're just like I I don't want to keep going through this story and you don't necessarily have to um, but it's just kind of that okay I'm getting to um tressa's story in my mind was one of the weaker ones until the end it actually got pretty i really liked the conclusion to it but tressa's story i thought was fairly weak and every time i get into her story i'm just like okay all right let's go through this and you just kind of do that like tap 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 all right okay yep you're still you're still reading this names in this book you're still going to try and be a great merchant this is really exciting yeah and but then you get to like primrose whose story is super um back and forth in terms of like who all these characters are and there's some mystery to it and every time you get to a primrose story, you're like, yeah, this is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. Yeah. So it, it is hit or miss just because had maybe you put in some of those characters into Tressa's story, which is a very basic, she finds this book 
and she wants to explore what this person explored in the book. And that basically sums up her story. Oh, okay. So, you know, if you had some extra characters kind of commenting, you had some extra work going on with that, maybe it's better. But I feel like something like Primrose, where it's just her very personal story, I don't want the other characters interacting in it. So if there is some sort yeah, so on that same point, though, would you have liked, like, at least some sort of, like, even if they had these sort of, like, separate individual stories, would you still like some sort of through, through-line story that could tie them together in some way? Yeah, and I think a through-line would have been helpful for this just because it does take some of those more boring ones and make them a little bit better. Yeah. The nice thing I will say is that every character had at least, each character has four chapters. Each character had at least one chapter that really stands out. Oh, okay. So, like, Tressa, like, her her story is, in my mind, was probably the weakest. Yeah. Yeah, I think hers is probably the weakest. Mm-hmm. But, like, the final chapter of hers is really interesting, the way kind of all of her story threads tie together into this one big moment for her. Okay. And even, like, Primrose, who I think has one of the stronger stories, like, the opening chapter of her story is just so kind of crazy and so like, what the fuck? Why are you living in this? Yeah. That it's just, it's amazing. And each character has that one chapter. I feel like that just outshines the rest. And it's like, this is the, this is the kind of the climax of this character story. And they're really well interspersed because the game, the way the game's progression works is that essentially you do everybody's chapter one, then go back through, do everybody's chapter two, everybody's chapter three, everybody's chapter four. Yeah. Um, and there's level requirements that essentially prevent you, unless you just want to grind for no reason, mm-hmm. from doing um, like Cyrus, 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 and then going back. The way the game kind of um, does it is that two or three of the characters have their best chapter in chapter one. Two or three oh, of the characters, their best chapter is chapter two. Two or three of them. So as you go through this, you would think, okay, chapter two, like, this is kind of just our setup chapter. Like, we got introduced. We're just kind of building plot to get to kind of the climax and, you know, kind of resolve their story and everything. But there's a couple of characters where, um, like, Cyrus in particular, his opening story is essentially you're, you're a teacher. You run into some trouble with some of the students and everything. You get put on suspension. You have to leave the, you have to leave the uh, university you're teaching at, okay. right? You're like, okay, whatever. But his second story where he kind of figures out, okay, there's this book called, I think it's called Far From the Reaches of Hell that's missing. And chapter two, you're explaining what this book is, and you realize there's a lot of cult stuff going on. And his chapter two is like really this strong introduction to his actual story. Oh, interesting. So just the pacing of the stories are all over the place. Yeah. Which is a really cool way to kind of keep you invested as you go through. That's interesting. I wonder, but I I wonder if that, I wonder if that, but you're saying like, that can strengthen or weaken a story because if you had your, if you had, if it's taking you forever to get to the point, that makes it feel like a weak story. But, or on the other hand, if you already hit the coolest stuff at the beginning, then you have nothing to keep you tagging along through it. Exactly. Where again, like just thinking about those stories, it's, it's a, it, because there's so much weird, weird things they're trying to do with the storytelling. Yeah. You kind of almost have to approach these stories as one big story, but as eight individual stories. And I think that's kind of the approach that they took is they said, okay, Chapter one, we need three big moments. Chapter two, we need three big moments. Chapter three, we need three big moments. Chapter four, we need three big moments. Yeah. And how do we fit those moments into each of these eight characters' stories? So each character has their big moment, but some of them need to be at the beginning and some of them need to be at the end. Because if you're just getting that basic introduction, that boring introduction to each character, that game's getting turned off quick. And you get to chapter two and three, the middle of the plot, and everybody's just going like, oh, yeah, he is in the next town over. I'll go to the next town over. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Okay, great. Like, I'm just doing fetch quests here in the middle. 
No, it's interesting. Actually, actually, I had never heard that point. That's actually really interesting because I, I was curious how they were doing that. So, I mean, our, I guess, I guess when all is said and done with like the, you know, the combat and the story, like, what are your overall feelings on it? Like, do you like it? I mean, was it great? Was it meet your expectations? I guess here, did it meet your expectations or exceed them? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one of those games where you play it, and I'm having a great time when I'm playing it. But there's also that lingering thought of like, there's just three or four things that could take this from like a really good game to an amazing game. Yeah. And I think a lot of games have it where those three or four things are not right in your face all the time where it's like, I feel like there's something this game could do to get better, but I just can't put my finger on it. This very clearly has that like, as you're playing, this is so good. But if they just did this, it would be amazing. Gotcha. So it's that weird feeling of like, I'm really, really loving this. I'm really liking this. But there's always that hanging feeling of like, oh, but it could just be so much better if you just would have tweaked it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guess on that, on that I just got to end it real quick. Like, I know there's some issues you had, but is it because Octopath Traveler 1 felt so new and stuff? Do you think even if they tweak this stuff for Octopath Traveler 2, or is it going to keep you, are you going to be like interested in it or what? I would love to play a game that's similar to this where it has that same feeling, the same style, mm-hmm. all of that stuff would love to see something similar done to this. And again, I think it's one of those things where, you know, first game in a series is always that kind of testing the waters, especially when you're trying some new things like this. Second game is really where you're going to nail it. So Mm -hmm. whether this team makes an Octopath Traveler 2 or whether there's whatever their next project is, Mm -hmm. if it's similar in vain to this, I am on board day one again. Cool. All right. Sounds good. I'm actually kind of excited for this. This is definitely my wait for a sale game. But like, dude, playing that in handheld felt so good for that demo. It's... Oh, yeah, it's great. And again, like, I think I mentioned this in Xenoblade, just being able to just go and turn on the TV and grind for a little bit. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Just I need five more levels. All right, let's turn a movie on. Let's get those five levels. This is going to be great. (laughs) That's uh, that's actually a good point. All right. uh, So we are Workforce Gaming. If you guys like what you heard, you can always follow us at Workforce Gaming on Twitter or and subscribe to us, whatever you're listening to us on. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.